0: Uh, thank you, Randy. Wonderful, wonderful person to be with. It was so nice to see to see you in Toronto. I, I know that um, the Lord has a stop for you so much. How wonderful it is when we come to know the Lord at our youthful age. I used to say, if I had known the Lord when I was as little as um 10 years. I would have been so happy, but I came from a background, from a family that never knew, we never knew who, we never knew who Christ was. My family was not a church-going family; we were more of the kind of traditional people. And in my family also, uh, we grew up to be, we grew up we were seven boys in number, seven. My mother gave birth to seven boys. Wow. <laughs> seven boys. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were all boys. And my dad was a military man. And because we grew up in a setting that was not we there was no family value. That is to say, when you come into the house, you cannot differentiate who is the father, who is the mother, or who are the children. Everybody lives the way they like. In the sense that if you want to eat, you don't go ask somebody, I'm hungry. You go search for food in the kitchen, whatever you see you eat. If you're lucky, you could see food to eat that day. And so because we had where my dad was a military man, and uh, he was always with the pistol and the handcuff and those stuff. So we had access to our weapons. And because we're all boys, we became so popular in the environment because we did not come to look for any of us trouble. Everybody wanted to be our friends Hmm. because uh, we were always fighting. And not just fighting. If you look for someone trouble, we can go into the house and beat up everybody there. And come out, then you can't do it. You can't do anything because we threaten you. And why growing up? Because I had access to my dad's weapon. When it comes from work, we take the gun in the night and we go out and we go about terrorizing people within the environment, collecting their money and collecting things from people within the environment. We never knew what what was church. This is the symbol of a church, a Catholic Church. You know, the Catholic Church, like the symbol, the cathedral. We only see it from far. We never knew what people were doing inside, and nobody ever mentioned church to us in, this, in the area. In the so it was that we were just living freely, and we thought we were wise in ourselves. In all this, I was very intelligent. I was very intelligent in my studies. At times I go to school, if I want to go to school, if I don't go to school, nobody asks me if I'm going to school. And we grew up in one of the biggest slums in Lagos. It was a slum. And when we were moving from the slum to another area, where is the barrack, when my dad, when my family were moving, some of us were not around. And when we came back in the evening, we saw an empty house and people said useless children, where have you gone to? Your parents have gone, they have, they have packed out of this house, you sleep outside, where will you go to? And it was terrible. We had to, I had, personally I had to trace where they packed to and I walked about 30 kilometers to the beach where the new house is. When I got there, it was almost the next morning. I was just 12 years. And when I entered the house, nobody even noticed you were missing. <laughs> nobody asked you, welcome, no. Nobody asked you. I quietly went to look for food, see if I could have us the food to eat. As bad as that. Then we were going along. But we didn't feel it because why? We had so many friends outside. You know, when you are in the, when you are in the home and you cannot find love, You go outside to get it. And those love you go to get outside are not to go. The best love you can get is the love within your home, your family. And so because when you go to get those love outside, they are mixed. People take advantage of you. And so it was terrible for us because uh, we we risked our life we always in the police cell, fighting in the police today, tomorrow out. And because my dad was a military man, I was always putting on the military uniform, which I sold. So because of that, even the police were even afraid to arrest us. Because when they come closer, and they say we're putting on the police uniform, and we have all the gadgets, the military uniform, they're a little bit cautious and careful with us. Because I don't know if really we are really military people. Because in back home in Nigeria, if you put on the military uniform, people are scared of you. People respect the military people very well. And so that was how we were living. Uh, we did a lot of robbing. I I got I got into smoking, got into drugs in along the line, and it was so good because. As young as I was, as 12 years old, I, I was already making money. I was already selling drugs, making good money. And so I wasn't taking care of myself, so I didn't bother with my family, my parents. But one of the family members, my mother's um, senior brother, my uncle, he was so concerned. He knew I was very intelligent, so he came over to pick me, to take me to his home in another city. So I left them, I went to stay with him in another city, just like going from here to Alberta to stay with family. So when I got there, I got to a city that was smaller than the city I used to be. I used to be in Lagos, but I got to a city that was smaller than where I was. So, I said, oh, I think I can be the kingpin in this area, in the robbery gang." And so when I got there, for the first time, I saw that people will wake up in the morning and read the Bible, and they will pray. And I was wondering what I did, what I did. So in the morning, they woke me up and said, oh, come, come, we need to pray. Say, pray what?" Well. So when we came, we were praying, and I also joined them to pray. And really, funny enough, I started reading the Bible. I read the Bible so well, I if I was reading the Bible before. I could read the Bible, I could pray. I was so obedient in the house. Oh, they said, this boy was a very good boy. Why where have you been? Why are you always in Lagos trying to... People say, yeah, you people are bad people in Lagos. Why? And so I was so very humble in reading the Bible. In the morning, when we woke up, I was always... A, because in that home, there were also other children. So I was obedient. The wife of my uncle likes me so much because I do a lot of work homework. I clean up the house. I do the cooking at times. I read the Bible, go to church. For the first time I could start going. Even when I was going to church, I never knew what they, what they were doing there, just to go with them. In whatever I do, I try to be very good in it. In one of those uh days as we were reading the Bible, they never knew who I was. They never knew the other side of my life. They never knew what I could that I was as deadly as a serpents. When I got to the city, in no distance time, I hooked up with other members of the gang in the city. I became so popular too. In the evening, I would go out to be with the gang members. We would strategize where to go and rob, who to go and meet. I would come back home. In the morning, I would read the Bible with them and I would pray. I thought I was uh, very smart. I thought in myself I was the smartest person because I was good in the Bible, reading the Bible, praying with them at home in the evening, I'm with my guns, and would do all what we want to do. In one of those days, my uncle decided to buy a new generator, a new chair, a big one. And when he bought this generator, less than a month. In one of those meetings, we were broke. There was no money. So we needed to buy some smoke, some weed. And I said, oh, I remember my uncle bought a new generator. So we're going to pick it up and sell it. I said, oh, yes, that's a good idea. So how are we going to execute the plan? I was the initiator, and I need to provide a solution on how we we're going to successfully take Jen to ourselves so that we can get money to buy some And um, On a faithful Sunday, a faithful Sunday where we were to go to church in the morning, before we went to church, we had a dog in the house. And in one of the food, I normally go to feed the dog in the morning. So, in that faithful morning, when I was feeding the dog, and I put some poison in the food so that the dog could die before I come back to and carry out the operation. So while we went to church, I left them in the church. While they were in the church, and I came back home. I've already informed my gang members, so we all come back to the house. When I came back to the house, I saw that the dog, a very big dog, the good dog I loved, was already dead. And guess where the dog went to die? Went to die right in front of my window at the, at, the, at the house. And when I saw where the dog died, I almost collapsed. I said, oh my God, what have I done? So we took the gen out, entered the house, ransacked the house, took all the money we could take from the house and everything, and we all went, they all went back. They brought a car, took the gen away. And I went back to church to be with them. When the church was closed, we all came back to the house. When we entered, the door was open, the jail was not there, the dog was de- dead. They raised the alarm. As they were talking, I was shouting. I was even the one shouting to go and call the police. I had to call the police in, they came to take eventually. I was just making noise as if I was the I was so much concerned. And they never knew what happened. Finally, the next day was a Monday and we were supposed to gather to share the loot to see what we got from the proceeds from the sale of the gem. When we got, um, when, when I got on Monday, whenever I've gone to school in the evening, we went to a normal meeting place where we normally gathered. And while we were discussing how we are going to share the proceeds from the sale of the gem, I said, because I brought the business I brought you guys to come and sell this gen and take the gem. I should take it. I should take the bigger percentage of the proceeds. And they said no, no, no. The policy of this gang is that the proceeds must be equal. And I said no, it's not possible. In the midst of that argument, one of them said, "If you don't give, if you don't share the proceeds equally, I'm going to report." he was saying that somebody shot him on the leg. I said. You don't speak while other top gang members talking. I think the guy was so what the guy said that day, I never knew that the guy meant what he was going to do. On Tuesday morning, while everybody was going to talk, we were preparing some we were going to talk after the prayer meeting. I saw the guy coming into the compound from the gates into our house. When I saw the guy coming, I knew there was a problem. Immediately, I took the baggage, jumped over the fence, I was off. That was the last time I ever been in the house. The guy came to the house, reported the whole issue to my uncle, and told him how we came to carry the generator, and the man said, no, I cannot believe. It. The Solomon I have in my house is a Bible-believing boy, he is a very humble, he cannot do that. It's okay, you, can, you don't believe. Okay, I will take you to where we sold the generator. Meanwhile, I knew there was a problem, so I had to go straight to where we sold the there so that I can go and collect the car because I was supposed to pick up the money that's Tuesday. When I called the guys, the guy said, I should come in the evening. In the evening, when I went there to get the car, so that when I get in the money, I can travel back to Linux. Immediately, I got there to pick up the cash. The next person I saw that came out from the house was my uncle. When I saw him, I almost melted. And he said, So it is true. Immediately, that was how I was bundled into the van and I was taken to the police station. I was taken to the station. I was in the cell for more than six weeks everybody were coming to the set to say ah we know we used to tell you why did people go and bring him to your house don't you know he was an armed robber it was an armed robber in lagos why did you go and bring him he was a useless boy why did you take him to your home don't you know he said oh we don't know We thought it was a good boy and that was how i was left to be in the set everybody were coming to look at me and say, oh so you were the criminal oh and they will go back and so, we used to know it's not our family member, it's not a member of our family anymore. And meanwhile, while I was in the cell, I was so comfortable. Because even in the cell, I was making money. I became a ringleader. You know, when you put a criminal anywhere, he can survive. Anywhere you put a criminal, he can make money out of it. And in, the, in that cell... I was so comfortable that even the police were not respecting me. Because whenever you bring somebody in, before the person comes in, if you don't want us to deal with the person, the person has to bring some money to give to us. And so we were making money, I was buying smoke, buying weed and smoking and so on. And the business was good. And I was feeling fine in the cell. I thought I was very good, okay, and everything was okay. So while I was in the cell, because the longer you stay in the cell, the higher your rank goes up. So people were coming and going, people were coming and going. Some, some criminals will go and they will come back and they will still meet me there. And they will say, Ah, you must be a master by now. And so I grew up to a rank that even I became so popular with the police, we became so friends. So in the, in the evening, they will release me from the cell. We will go out. We will go to have a drink and everything. I will come back and I will enter the cell. And I thought I was living a good life. Huh? In one of those fateful days on Sunday when I was in the cell, the DPO, the divisional police officer of that police station, the woman, Is a lady, she came in the morning, on Sunday morning, and she was crying. And while she was crying, I said to myself, I said to what is making you cry? Tell me who is making you cry, and I'm going to deal with that person. This is a criminal in itself. <laughs> I was there. <coughs> and I said, if it's a police that is making you to cry, I'm going to deal with your police officers. Because, of course, I have the power then because I could use money to bribe some other people to deal with them. And the lady looked at me and she shook her head and she went back. Less <laughs> than 10 minutes. A police officer came and said, please come. The DP officer wants to see me. I said, okay, maybe she now wants me to help her. That's why she's coming to call me. So I went to see her. She looked at me for like five minutes. Then she now brought out the paper from the table and gave me the paper. The paper she gave to me was my resource for like grade 12, I don't know what you call it here, like the kind of exam you need to write to go to the university. In that result, I had all the paper distinction. Excellent. I had my jump score was so good to go to university to study medicine. And so, what was making the woman to cry was because she could not comprehend the result she had because earlier on, my uncle came to drop those results. The result came out. He came to drop the result with her, saying that she have, he has nothing to do with me. This is my results. Give it to that foolish criminal. And so the woman who not comprehend the results with the person she is seen in the cell, he said, how can this criminal has this kind of good results? So she was a little bit confused. Meanwhile, she had a dot a son who was to go to the university, But he could not go to the university because he had not that kind of school. So the woman was confused. And she spoke to me for more than two hours, as nobody has ever spoken to me before. That was when she now introduced the gospel to me for the first time. After speaking to me, she now gave me the Gideon Bible. I don't know if you know what called the Gideon Bible. The Gideon Bible is a small Bible then. And she gave me the, the Bible. And she said, why do you want to destroy yourself? Are you not the owner of this resort? And I said, yes. After speaking with me for more than two hours, she prayed with me. When she prayed with me, she gave me the Gideon Bible that I should take and go and read. And I went back to the cell. When I got back to the cell, I opened the Gideon Bible. If you open the Gideon Bible... It's not like the normal Bible. It, don't, it doesn't start with uh, Genesis. It starts with... Uh so when I read Psalm 1, verse 3, it was telling me that you can be a person that is that like a person that is planted by the riverside. That you'll be watered and you'll be greener, and you'll be refreshed day by day. And I felt some kind of relief in my body. And I could feel and I knew that I have Feelings for myself. I could touch my skin and I could feel. And I was thinking, what is going on? I slept throughout that day, throughout that Sunday, till the next Monday. I was the only one in that cell. When I woke up in the morning on on the next day, on on Monday, I had the kind of feeling I've never experienced before. I became so compassionate had the heart of having forgiven people, forgiveness, forgive people when they are me, And I said, what is going on? I am not this kind of person. So while I was talking, the woman came in on Monday morning and she said to me, he said, my son, everybody have rejected you. Nobody wants to release. Come here to bail you out to release you. Even the lawyers, nobody wants to come. But I'm going to release you now to go. And when you go, promise me that you become a good person. And I say, Yes, I promise I was going to do that. And she gave me some money to go. That was how I left the cell. When I left the cell, I didn't know where to go to because I can't go back to the home, I can't go back to uh, the house. And there was nowhere to go to. The only place left for me to go was to go back to the village. To the countryside then my mom was already divorced with my father so she was in the village so when i went back home to the village and when she saw me from far she was on tears and she said i shouldn't come through the front door i should go back to the back door so that the village people will see me because all over the village they knew i was a criminal So I went back to the back door and I came to the house and when she saw me, she was on tears, she was crying. And I said to her, don't cry again that I'm a changed person. She said, no, I don't believe you. So even when I said I was a changed person, I was not even too sure myself. (laughs) And you know, so I picked up myself and I asked myself, what, I was, what was I going to do next? And I wanted to go to the university. Because I wanted to go to the university. I was thinking about uncle would have sent me to the university. So, and I said to myself, and I remember that this woman said that there's somebody called Jesus Christ. He said, if you become the son of God, that God was going to take care of you. That was what she said. to She said, God will take care of you. And I said to myself, okay, now, this woman said, "Call somebody that is called Jesus Christ. Now, I want to know, if you know you are the one, you are Jesus Christ, and you can take care of me, I want you now to send me to the university. So, there was a university close to my village. I went with my results. And when I came there, they said, oh, why didn't you come on time? Admission is closed. You cannot be admitted again. Where have you been? Don't tell them I've been in the cell. <laughs> so I went back home and I said, "You see." So when I was going, I now dropped my resort with them and I said, "I thought that woman said that there is somebody called Jesus Christ that can always help you. Let me see how he's going to help me since admission is closed." But not knowing that there was a supplementary risk for the university. After one week, I was called that my name is out and I need to come back, I need to go to university immediately to go and register. I said, what? I said it was a supplementary list. And that supplementary list, your name cannot be, except you are an exceptionally child that is good in either athletics or probably you are recommended by the Governor or the President. And my name came out there as the first number one. And I said to myself, would it be true that what this woman said that there's somebody who looks after you? I said, okay, if it is true that you are really the God, now I want you to come and pay the school fees. You know, I was just putting the order to be sure that there was no God. And when I got to the university, why people were doing registration, paying their school fees, I could not pay. Rather, I was busy going about party, going from one party to another and playing with friends, playing football and so on. <coughs> so in one of those instances, there was a party. One of the students was doing a party. And while she was celebrating her birthday party, I came into there because I was always scouting for where there's food, you know? There's no money. But if you are doing a party, I'm always there because I needed to eat. <laughs> so in one of those parties, Ah, Oh, there's a party here. Immediately, I'm there because I'm going to eat. So, while in the party, they were looking for someone to do the MC, and I picked up the phone to do the MC. And in that party, fortunately for me, the the registrar of the university was in that party. And meanwhile, it was a good party in the night. And as far as I can feed myself, and I was able to feed myself, I'm okay. I don't even need money from you. And that was how I left. Meanwhile, registration was almost getting close. And I said to myself, I think you said you are Jesus Christ. You can do all things. Come on, play my school fees now. Let me see if you are truly God. While I was waiting, somebody came to me and said, are you Mr. Solomon? I said, yes. Said, the school authority is looking for somebody called Solomon failure. I said, why? They said they are looking for that they want to see me in the registrar office, I say, ah. I say, what am I doing, I'm not even registered. <laughs> so, while I went there, the student union government, there's a student body for the university, it was dissolved. They were looking for new people to become the new body, the critical body. And so, somebody said, ah, there's one boy. That did the MC in that meeting. Remember? They said, yes. That boy should be good for the directors of social sports and culture. <laughs> and that was how I was now called upon. And when I came to the university to the, to the registrar, he said, Mr. Solomon, I said, yes. It's okay. Sign this paper. Sister, what is that? That was how I was appointed to become the directors of social sport and culture, university body. Meanwhile, I was not registered. And when you become a member of this union body, you are entitled to free accommodation, you pay stipends, you have tickets to always go to the dinner to eat every day, which is free. Immediately, I signed the paper, I was given my package and everything. I said, What? Immediately, I turned away from there, I went to pay the school fees for the money that was given to me. That was how I paid my school fees, that was how I went to the university. I, I don't know I don't know how I don't know how when, when, when God is interested in you, when God is interested in your case. I don't know how at times you may want to say it's not possible. When I entered the university a lot happened. while I was in university, I became someone that was welcoming newcomers, freshers. I was giving them accommodation, giving them food, helping people who could not afford to pay school fees in university while I was a student. And I got my own. Throughout my year in university, I was in the student union. I was in the student union body. And that was how I went to university. When I was leaving the university, because I've seen the faithfulness of God in my life, at the, at the gate of the university, the last day I was going to do my convocation, I was going to leave the university. I came to the gate of the university and I made a covenant with the Lord. In 1998, I made a covenant with the Lord. I said, You, this God, my exact words, I don't miss it. You, this God, that have saw me through. That I did not believe in you before, but you have shown yourself faithful to me. I will worship you till the rest of my life. That was how I took a covenant with God with someone with a God I never knew. And when I took that covenant, that was the breakthrough in my life. I never knew I was saying power. I was doing something that was powerful. When I left the university gates. When I was going people were thinking of going to what to go and do after the university I went to a town called Kotakot, Kotakot is a uh, oil of Nigeria where you have the oil industry. <coughs> I was there people didn't know what to do because there was no work after this university but you know the Bible said something I read I read he said, when the step of the righteous is pleasing to the Lord, it will direct your steps. He will not direct your steps to destruction, but it will direct your steps towards to where you will find favor in the sight of men. When I left university, I was I went to Botakot. I was posted to Bota I didn't fight for because when you leave university, you serve the country for one year. When I got to Botakot, I was reading the newspaper, in the newspaper stand. And when I was reading that paper, in that paper they said, Happy Independence Day, India. That was around sometime in August. Independence Day. Happy Independence Day, India. So I just saw that caption. Before I could walk about five five minutes, because I was walking around to see where I can get a place to walk. I saw a car coming out from a company. The car came out while I was standing. And the person that was inside that car was an an Indian man. And the Indian man, when I saw him immediately, I said, Oh, happy Independence Day, sir. And the man was so excited. He said, How did you know that? I said, Oh, I have so many Indian friends. (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, at times, when you know, that was why I now realized that, you know, when the the children of Israel were trying to escape, when they had to go to the woman's house that was in Haros, when she had to leave she had to lie that the, the the Israelites were not here. And when I said that to the man, he was so excited. He said, "Yeah, so what are you doing?" I said, oh, I'm looking for a place to serve. Do you have a space in your company? He said, no, 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 but drop your CV, drop your application with the security guard. And immediately I did. When I did that, I never knew that there was somebody in that company that was sacked two days earlier on. And they were looking for a replacement. And immediately my paper was dropped. The next day I was called upon to come and resume duty. And that was how I got the job. When I went to that company, I worked in that company for 15 years. I rose up to become the treasury manager for Africa for that company, as a treasurer. And I was there, while in that company, I could see the faithfulness of of God in my life. I could see what God could do real time in the life of someone that is abandoned, that is written off. When you make men, when you make man to help you to become who you are, you always give allegiance to that man. When you allow God to make you who you are. You don't give allegiance to anybody. You only give allegiance to who? Because God is the one who has made you who you are. But when you seek and ask for men to help you, which they will never do. If they help you in any means to become who you are, to become prosperous, you will always be alleged to them. But when you allow God to make you who you are, you hold no man humble. You hold no man in dying, but only God. You can walk freely, you can do whatever you need to do, because it is only God who has been able to make you to become who you are. When I never thought that I could see, I never thought in my family that I could become someone. I never thought that in my family, I could be somebody who could call the meeting, people could listen to. Me. When I was in university, I got married. And I mean, when I was in university, I met my wife from the one. In one of those instances while I was playing football, that was where I met my wife. And in every of these steps, even while we got married, we had to wait for about eight years before we could get our first child. Even in those eight years, in the African culture, if you are married and you don't have issues, it's not a problem between the families. But still the Lord was faithful. My my son came, and when my son came, the enemy said, because I'm giving, I have a covenant with the Lord. In every step, the Lord was, the enemy was always challenging my faith. He was always challenging my faith. When my first son was going to come, I said to myself, because we have waited for eight years, and I'm going to take my wife to the best hospital in the world. And I said I was going to take my wife to okay. and I said I was going to take my wife to the best hospital to give birth. So when I looked into God and I said where is the best hospital? I saw a place called Queen's Hospital. That is where the Queen of England is. And I said I will take my wife there. When well, I said I was going to take my wife and leave, I <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think... Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> where I'm going from. So... <laughs> I, I was going so to, to, take to again. The, I had this notion that I was going to take her to the best hospital because she mm-hmm. And I wanted her to have the best uh, medical attention. But while I was saying, that the Holy Spirit was saying something to me, but I refused to listen. The Holy Spirit was saying, Do not take your wife there, let her be at home to the But Then because the heart of man, you know, when Amazing. let me tell you something tonight, you are filled with the spirit. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when He tells you something, those things the Holy Spirit tells you does not make you comfortable. Mm. They don't give you comfort. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it does not come in a comfortable manner. It makes you uncomfortable that you will say to yourself, are you sure this is coming from God? Are you sure that you want to speak speaking? It? No, it's not possible. When God speaks to you in your comfort and you have a tea and you are drinking and you are comfortable, take it very well. That is not the only Spirit speaking. Because when God wants to send you for an assignment, it makes the place very uncomfortable for you. And you should be ready. But he said, go, I will be with you. So when she was to deliver, I went and I didn't look at what God said. And I went to UK. The enemy almost took my wife away. She gave birth for three months, she could not see the child. She went through operation five times. It was on oxygen, she went into coma. The last one that was to be done, the surgeon said it is 10 over 90, 90 percent that she will not survive, 10 that she will survive. And I said to myself, God, are you not the one I remembered? Let me tell you something tonight. If you are a a child of God and you are having challenges, raise a petition to God and remind God of the things you have done for him in the kingdom. Our God is faithful. He will always listen to you. And I said to the Lord, I said, are you not the one that I met while I was in university? and these are the things I have done for you, these are the things I have done for you, I was no longer praying. I was raising a petition to God directly. And when I did that, in one of those days, I normally take the child to the hospital to see my wife. When I took my son, and we're going to the hospital, my wife, who has been in the bed for more than one month, who could not get up, I saw her coming straight from the hospital gates, coming out, when I saw her, the enemy said, That is your wife's spirit coming. She's dead. And when I saw her, I almost collapsed because I thought i have seen her ghost. And I said, Oh, was well, this how I'm going, to, I'm going to lose my wife and I'm going to go back home with my son? When I get closer and closer and I saw her, I touched her. She was real. I said, what happened? And she narrated everything. While I was praying, while I was praying, because I had to raise an altar praying, while I was praying, the Lord himself was taking out an operation on my wife. She said she felt like she wanted to go to weed in the washroom. That in her sleep, she woke up and she removed all the gadget from her body. An atomic gun burst open, and all the abscess in her tummy poured out. And she had her tummy, and she started getting back her strength. She went to womb, she came back. When the nurses came and saw the abscess, they all ran away from the office. And she herself picked up the abscess, put them in the pockets, and that, that was how she tied herself. She started singing, thank you Jesus for healing me. When I see my wife today, I see her, uh, I could see the faithfulness of God in my life because she's one of the testimonies I have in Christ. Many a times in my place of work, the Lord has seen me through faithfully. In my family, the Lord has seen me through faithfully. And in every of these step, the Lord has be- has made me to be becoming victorious. He has never failed me. While in one of the meetings like this, God When I was in Nigeria, I had a chapter like this that was meeting. While we were meeting, the owner of the place came in and said, We don't want you here again. And she drove everybody out from the meeting. I went out and I said to God, Are you not God? Where shall we gather again to worship? And I said to God, I want my an hotel that is like this particular one that the owner has have driven us away, And on that one year, the Lord gave me exactly that kind of hotel, bigger than that. Until today, the full gospel is meeting in that hotel. Amen. When you put your trust in God, when you allow God to determine what you want, when you allow God to direct your steps, when you allow God to become to come into you to become your Lord and personal Savior, He will give you a new kind of life, of experience you have never had before. There's a kind of better life that is beyond what we see ordinary as we live on a daily basis. When you have a kind of better life, the, when you live a kind of life that Christ wants you to live, when you live in Christ, when, when you're in Christ Jesus. The kind of life you live is a kind of life where people are saying there's a casting down, you will say there's a lifting up. When people are making negative confession, you will never make any negative confession, you'll be saying things that are positive to yourself because the words are power, they are powerful. When I saw many, many years ago, after I saw someone who we used to be together, a friend where we grew up together that never knew who I have become. I saw him after like 35 years. When he saw me and he said, ah, where have you been? He said, ah, I've been a truck driver and I've, I cannot go beyond this place. I've been in this place. You know, things are not working out. Nobody's helping me out. I'm still struggling and I'm not married. And he saw me driving and the car I was driving. He said, ah, you are driving now. Who are you driving for? Are you a driver for? Which company are you a driver for? He did not even believe that that car was my car I'm driving. Because already he's in a level where the enemy have kept him, but he believed that he cannot go beyond that level. If you are in Christ Jesus, you can do all things. If you are in Christ Jesus, you can do all things, not some. I didn't say some. Who are can do all things. If you are sick and you say, God, heal me, the Lord will heal you. In Jeremiah 93 he said, Call on me anytime, call on my name, and I will watch, answer you. And when I answer you, I will do I will show you things that you do not know. We cannot see beyond what we can see now. You cannot know. But it's only the Holy Spirit that can help you to see beyond what you don't know. And the Lord said, I will show you and I will show you what you do not know. I will show you the wealth of this nation and I will transfer the wealth of this nation before you. At times when I sit down, I've never done that before. When I sat down and I calculated and I look at my next words, I said, it's only God. That can do that is no man. Today, in my family, I'm not If I don't speak, nobody talks. If my dad wants to do something or they want to take any action, they will ask Have you inquired from Solomon? People will ask in the family My case might be different from yours. My own might not be the same with yours. I thought I could find love outside with friends. Yeah. I thought I could find love outside. But I never knew there was someone who loves me more than myself. Until I knew this man called Jesus who made a difference in my life. And the things I never knew I could do I do them now because I have pricing. I went to I went to I went to I went to, <coughs> to in Nigeria, and I was to go to to study, and I was to go through a believer's class in in the church. And I said, "Oh, you need to go through to go and do a state in the village." And I went to the village, they had shrine, shrine, you know, shrine, the village. And after I spoke and I preached, people brought out a charm and gave to Christ. I said, We're no longer doing this worship we want to follow Christ. I don't know who you're looking up to. I don't know, maybe you are thinking, you are very smart, or you are the best person, or you think, I can do it all. But, if you have never had an encounter with Jesus Christ, who is, who makes the difference? Who can say, tomorrow, you are no more, I can take over, switch, that has life and death? If you have never made peace with this man called Lord Jesus, because there's a better place He has prepared for us all. Not just all, everyone will live here, but in this head you can live a better kind of life. Even when people are afraid, even when the society is no longer safe, then the Lord will not direct your step to those who are evil. The Lord will not direct your step to those. Who will take away your soul? Who will take away your finances? Who will take what belongs to you? Who will take away your joy? The Lord will only direct your step to those who will find peace with you. He said, Because if you find peace with God, He will make men to be at peace with you. He's only man. If you think you can have peace with your neighbor because you want to visit, will help you want to help him, no. But when you have peace with God, you have favor with God, it will make even your enemy to be at peace with what? Mm-hmm. Like i said, you'll be here tonight. I don't know what your case might be. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know how you have been. When you have looked for love, there's no love. When you have seek for help, there's no help. When you have seek for Solution, there's no solution. When you are sick for healing, there's no healing. But tonight, I want to tell you, there's somebody I know that is called Lord Jesus Christ, who can give you peace, who can give you love, who can give you healing, who can take away your body and give you his own. Because he said his yoke is lighter than the body, than your own yoke. The body you are carrying is too heavy, but you have someone whose yoke Lighter. When he passed that yoke to you, it's lighter than the one you are carrying. He will give you peace, he will give you love, he will give you joy.